So um, it's actually still Easter. I didn't know if y'all knew that. Um, what we uh, what we celebrate um, the first Sunday in Easter is is Resurrection Sunday, and mo- most people know that as Easter. But see, Easter is actually a season um, that lasts from uh, from Resurrection Sunday all the way until Pentecost, and during that time, we're still reflecting on and celebrating the resurrection together as a church. And we are going to look at Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 1 through 12. Um, and it is, if you're experiencing just a little bit big of deja vu, it's exactly the passage we looked at last week. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, but uh, we're just, uh, we're going to take a look at it from kind of a different angle um, this week. But I promise this whole season of Easter, I'm not going to keep uh, preaching the same passage, though, uh, though it's got a lot of good stuff in it, but, um, but we won't do that. Hear now the word of our Lord. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, I don't want to brag to you all, but um, just uh, very recently, about a month ago, I won a large 55-inch flat-screen TV. Thank you. Um, it, it was a very big deal. See, see, um, in the mail, I got from a, a local car dealership one of these scratch-off Monte Carlo game kind of things, and I, I uh, took out my quarter and, uh, and, and scratched off, and I got three cherries in a row. And I looked at the little handy chart next to it, and it said um, three cherries equals a large 55-inch flat-screen TV. I was excited. Uh, and this is a month ago, and the card is still sitting on uh, my nightstand. There's a couple reasons for this. One, um, according to the card, in order to claim your prize, you have to go to the car dealership. And I do not like car dealerships. I do not want to go to a car dealership. Um, you know, in my opinion, 
um, uh, at the end of time, Satan's angels are going to be thrown into a car dealership. It's not in the Bible. That's just what I believe. Um, and so the idea of willingly going to a car dealership and having no business there to pick up a flat screen TV, just, you know, I'm still weighing it. And then the other thing is, I'm an idiot, but I'm not stupid. Like, I know how this is going to work. There is some kind of fine print in that thing, right? Yeah, it, it's going to be something like uh, the, the prize that's, uh, that, that's on here isn't a prize you get, and they're going to give me some kind of plastic water bottle or something. Or um, in order to claim your prize, you have to buy a, a Honda Civic or something like that. You know, it's going to be some kind of some kind of thing because car dealerships don't just hand out flat screen TVs. I, I mean, in my heart and soul, as excited as I was to see those three cherries, I know there is not a flat screen TV with my name on it waiting for me at the car dealership. You ever heard that saying? If it's too good to be true, it probably is, right? We all have that, that, little, uh, that, that little antenna that goes up, that little blip on our radar, and, 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 and we pride ourselves on being able to sense when, when someone's trying to pull something over on us. And so we have that attitude. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. But what if it's not? What if there is a flat screen TV waiting for me at the car dealership? What if they're just weeping and wailing over there because uh, they've got this TV and, and, and I haven't come to get it? What if there's uh, good news sitting on my nightstand that I'm not responding to? See, that's, that's what our story's about this morning. The, the women go to the tomb and they have this experience. They see these angels. Um, they, they, uh, they, they hear the good news and then they rush to go tell the men about this thing that they've experienced, about this good news that they've heard. And the men, their antenna just goes up. I'm not buying it. Seems too good to be true. It says, uh, it says that they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Some translations translate that as idle talk. Um, uh, the, the Greek word leros um, is the word that we find um, at the root of delirious. It sounded to them like delirium, like crazy talk. These disciples that were no stranger to miracles, they had seen Lazarus raised from the tomb, still not quite buying it. Why? The short answer, and ladies, you're not going to want to hear this, is because they were women. And back in ancient times, people just believed that, um, that women were not credible witnesses. In ancient times, they believed this. <laughs> um, they, they just, uh, they, they, they believed um, that, that, that women, they had this stereotype that they're, they're prone to superstition, that, um, that they're gossipy, that they're emotional, and, uh, and that, uh, that they, they tend to make mountains out of molehills. And so if you have your choice in court, 
you probably need to get a man to testify because a, women, a woman's testimony is not going to be taken seriously. Thank God we've evolved, right? <laughs> we don't have any of these, uh, we don't have any of these feelings today. Of course, I'm lying about that, right? Um, a, a, you know, Crystal can tell you stories of slick-haired attorneys that, uh, that convince juries that, um, that, that, that women are, are just uh, making up the abuse that they say that they've experienced or that they're, uh, they're, they're, they've just uh, misread or, 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 or concocted a story where there was none. They're just being... They're just being emotional and overly sensitive. They're really not a reliable witness. See, even today, and a he said, she said, the he said usually wins. So, you can almost hear the disciples in your head, can't you? There go those women again making up some nonsense. They just got excitable. They probably felt that tremor that we all felt a little while ago. Maybe there was an earthquake in the next town over, and, and, uh, and they probably felt that, and, 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 and they make up some elaborate story about it, or maybe they saw some strangers at the tomb that, 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 that spooked them, and, uh, and they're, they're bringing us this nonsense about angels. It's crazy talk. They really don't believe what the women have to say because they're unreliable witnesses. You ever feel like an unreliable witness? Like maybe people aren't going to listen to what you have to say because you're just not reliable. I'm talking about uh, the witness the witness that we're all called to, this, this thing called, called sharing your story, evangelism, telling other people about Christ, giving a reason for, for the hope that you have. A lot of us are afraid to do that because we worry that we'll be dismissed. Oh, there they go again. That crazy talk, that nonsense. We'll be dismissed as unreliable witnesses. Some of us may be because of uh, just um, we're afraid we don't know enough. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're not steeped in theology or knowledge of the Bible. What if I share my faith and someone asks me a question I don't know the answer to? I'll be an unreliable witness. They won't believe anything I have to say if I can't answer their question. What if they ask why, 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 why suffering happens? What am I supposed to say? Yeah, that keeps me up at night too. I don't know the answer to that. And so we're afraid that, 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 that we'll be seen as less than reliable. Some of us, maybe it's because of our, um, our, our status or, or our upbringing. We're, we're too young, too old. We can't connect with people the, the way we should be able to. When I was in youth ministry, I, I would ask, you know, you need grown-ups to help you or things get out of hand. And so I, I, I asked grown-ups to help out with youth ministry and, and they'd all say the same thing. Oh, I just can't do that. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not cool. Those kids won't listen to me. 
I, I always laugh at that one. Let me tell you something. I was not cool in high school. I'm sure not cool now. We watch um, Saturday Night Live sometimes, and the, uh, the musical acts on Saturday Night Live make me feel about like a million years old. Um, because I don't know who any of these people are or why they're famous or why they're dressed like space aliens, but there they are. And, and, and I, what I'm trying to tell you is I am not cool and no youth group I've ever been a part of has seemed to care or want that out of me. But we're afraid of that. We can't connect because we don't have the right whatever it is. Well, I'm just not dot, dot, dot. They won't listen to me. And then some of us, it's about our past that we feel make us unreliable. Well, my family's not going to listen to me because they know what I did that one time. They know what I can really be like. What am I going to tell them about Jesus when they've seen me grouchy on a Saturday morning? Well, they know who I was before in school or in in college. They're not going to listen to what I have to say. So we dismiss ourselves before we ever give anyone else a chance to as unreliable witnesses. Story I love about um, uh, there's this church, um, this, this big church in Canada, and they're having a revival. This is big Baptist church. And this guy gets the get of all gets. The last night of his revival, Billy Graham is going to come and preach. Now, this is good news. Like, can you imagine being able to just tell the community Billy Graham's going to be at our church? You know, um, people were coming out of the woodwork to this revival. And, but imagine being in this pastor's shoes and you've got to preach three nights of a revival before Billy Graham gets there. It just doesn't quite have the juice yet, right? Um, everyone's there, they're being polite, but, but you're not who they're there for. And this poor pastor tells a story about he's preaching the revival and, and Billy Graham gets there a day early and he uh, puts on a ball cap and he just kind of wears jeans and street clothes and he shows up at the revival, you know, just kind of incognito. And, and the pastor says he was giving his altar call at the, uh, at the end of the message and, um, and Billy Graham was singing in the back and he noticed, uh, noticed someone that looked um, convicted, like, like maybe they, they want to respond. And so Billy Graham, just a consummate evangelist, you know, walked up to a guy and said, hey, um, would you like me to pray with you? Maybe I, I walk down to the altar with you and we can pray together. And, um, and the guy uh, looked up at Billy Graham and, and kind of um, looked him up and down and said, you know what, um, I think I'm going to wait till tomorrow night when the big guns are out. <laughs> we have that attitude sometimes, don't we? Like, we really need the big guns. You know, um, a lot of us, we feel like, you know, we really can't talk to our friends friends about Jesus, about, about what we've experienced in the tomb, but if I could just get them in front of dot, 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 
if I could get them to go to the to, to church with me or, or, or the, the men's conference or resurrection or something, and, and they could hear from one of the big guns. If I could just get them to watch this video that I'm posting on, on Facebook and, 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 and they would hear what one of the big guns have to say, they'd really, uh, they'd really respond to that. If the, uh, if the disciples had a big gun, it, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if the disciples had a big gun, um, it probably would have been Peter, don't you think? Uh, Peter, had, uh, Peter had a reputation for being able to preach. Um, you read the book of Acts, he was a, a great preacher. Um, uh, Peter, uh, Peter was known as a leaguer among the disciples. Um, Peter, uh, I mean, his nickname was, Peter means rock, for heaven's sakes. He was the rock before Dwayne Johnson. He, he, he was one of the big guns. So there's this thing that happens in our passage this morning. The women come back and tell the men, this is what they saw. They say, no, that's crazy talk, except for one guy, Peter. Peter goes and runs and, and, and tries to see what's going on in the tomb. But when he gets there, there are no angels. There's no message. All he sees is these, uh, the empty tomb and the strips of linen. This was the girl's big shot to get left off, you know, let off the hook. Now, if Peter went down and he saw what, 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 what we saw, he'd be able to come back and, and, and tell the other guys and get them on board. They'd listen to him. He's one of the big guns. But Peter didn't see what the women saw. The women were the only ones that, that saw the angels and that heard that message. They had a story only they could tell. And if they didn't tell that story, no one would hear it. So there was no being let off the hook by the big guns. They had to tell their story or no one else would hear it. And the same is true of us. Each one of us has a story that only we can tell. Something that we've encountered in the tomb that, that is just our story and nobody else's. And if we don't tell that story, it doesn't get told. There's no waiting on the big guns. It's up to us. Each of us has a story that only we can tell. There is a gospel according to you that is not like the gospel according to me. So the, the Sunday after Christmas, I had this amazing idea. It's family Sunday, and so we're all going to be together as one church and if I could get someone to guest preach that Sunday, then over Christmas break, I wasn't going to have to write a sermon. And it, it was perfect. And I knew who I wanted to get. It was this guy whose testimony I heard named Leroy Robinson. And um, uh, I called up Leroy and asked him to do it. And um, the first thing he asked me was, so what is the demographic of your church? That's a real polite way of phrasing that, right? And so I said, we're rural and white as marshmallows, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just who we are. And um, because, because he's not. He's from the inner city, African-American, 
um, a, a, a former drug dealer confined to a wheelchair. And, and when he was asking that question, he might have been a little worried. Are these people going to want to hear anything I have to say? Am I going to have any credibility with them? What am I, a, a drug dealer from Philly, going to have to talk to uh, about, you know, with, with, with farmers and, and, and truck drivers from Ryan Virginia? What are we going to have in common? But if he was worried, he sure didn't show it. Because he was so excited about coming here. Because, see, he had a story to tell. And he was the only one that could tell it. I can stand up here and tell you all a lot, but I can't tell you what God can do in the heart of a drug dealer. I can use my imagination, but I don't have that experience. There's a story that only Leroy could tell about what what it was like to be shot and to realize he he wasn't going to walk again. What it was like to, uh, to be to be in prison and have a bail that you couldn't pay and, 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 and a, a white lady that you've never met face-to-face pays that for you. That's a story I can't tell. That's the gospel right there, isn't it? I've been thinking about that ever since. He has a story to tell about what it was like to be the first person to go through uh, Pulaski County's drug court program, what that graduation was like, and the second chance that that gave him, and that now he's, he, he's a social worker and he helps other addicts have their second chance. It's an amazing story. That's the gospel according to Leroy, but it's not mine to tell. If he didn't come here and tell that story we wouldn't have heard it. And there's a gospel according to you. There's a way that, that, that you went to the tomb expecting death and found life and found hope. There, there is a way that your path intersected with Jesus and it changed you forever. And that's a story only you can tell. And if you don't tell it, no one will hear it. There's a gospel according to you. And the truth is that all those things that we think are the reasons people won't listen to us, honestly, that's the stuff that makes people lean in. Like, I don't know about you, but but when Leroy started telling his story, I was like, <laughs> I was leaning in. I, I had to hear the next words. There's a story only you can tell. Maybe you don't know the Bible backwards and forwards. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got things in your past you're not proud of. Maybe you're old or young or, or uh, of a different class than the, the, the people you're trying to talk to. I guarantee those are the things that make people lean in when you speak. The things you think make you a reliable, an unreliable witness are the things that make you reliable in other people's 
eyes. Because see, they've been to the car dealership too many times. You know, you might think, oh, if I just got them in church, but they don't want to come or they'd be here. They've been to the car dealership too many times. They've heard what the guy with the slick hair has to say, and they're not buying. You, you can, you know, tell them this guy's different. But they've been just one too many times. They know they don't give, just give away grace for free over there. There's going to be something in the fine print. So they're staying away. But they might listen to what you have to say. See, there was a guy that fell into a hole. He wasn't watching where he was going, and he just fell into a hole. And when he came to, he looked up and realized the hole was, was, was too long and too deep, and that he couldn't climb out of it himself. And so he called out for help, and there's no one around. Finally, after a little while, um, he saw someone walking by a hole, and he, and he cried out, Help! Help! And it was a doctor. And the doctor looked down in the hole and, and saw the man obviously needed help. And so uh, he took out his pad of paper, and he wrote a prescription, and he threw it down in the hole. <coughs> said, Take two of these and call me in the morning. Another hour passes. And the man sees someone else walking past the hole and calls out, Help! Help! And this time it's a lawyer. And the lawyer uh, reaches into his suit jacket, pulls out a business card, and says, When you get out of this hole, um, we are going to, uh, we're going to sue the pants off the people that left the hole on this property. And he throws his business card down in the hole. A little while more passes. Um, uh, the guy sees someone walking by and calls out, Help! Help! I'm stuck in a hole! This time it's a pastor. He says, Pastor, Pastor, I'm stuck in a hole. Get me out of here. And the pastor reaches into his suit jacket and he pulls out one of those, those little Gideon New Testaments with the Psalms. The print you can't even read. And he throws it down in the hole. It says, this book has all the answers and keeps walking. Finally, it's getting dark, and the guy's giving up hope. And then you see someone walk by, and it's his friend. And he calls out, hey, buddy, help, help, it's me. I'm, I'm stuck in this hole. Get me out of here. And the buddy looks down and, and sees his friend at the bottom of the hole and he backs up a couple of steps and he takes off running and he jumps into the hole. And the guy goes, are you stupid now? We're both stuck in this hole. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. I guarantee you God has put someone in your life who is not looking for a Bible expert. Not looking for a flashy guy in a suit with a business card. Not looking for someone who claims to have all the answers. But just needs to know that there's someone who has been where they are before and knows the way out. 
If that's you, then you are a reliable witness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.